0: Before I invite our speakers up this morning, I wanted to add that a little bit more about the vote in Maryland. As many of you know, it will go on to the Senate and is, and, and Governor O'Malley, who was one of the co-sponsors, uh, will sign it. And then it will likely go to referendum for the general election in November. And so as we looked around and honored those who have worked, I hope that we will all feel inspired to be among those who stand in November and have worked for uh, the the work that lies ahead to bring marriage equality to Maryland in a lasting way. And now, I would like to invite our speakers forward to the stage. Come on up. It is such a pleasure to introduce you to three Washington Ethical Society members, Andrew Batcher, Ellen Post, and Tony Nam. We were sorry that Carol Clayton, who was going to join them in speaking today, had a sudden and unavoidable conflict uh, with her son's passion for swimming on his swim team, but she will speak again later this spring. And we are delighted to hear from Andrew, Ellen, and Tony. So when I formulated the idea for this platform, it actually came out of some conversation in a program summit, I think last year, as we talked about passion at the Ethical Society. And in some ways, for me, it's a response to the quintessential DC question at every cocktail party or every coffee gathering that you, that you go to. So, what do you do? Now, you might hear some answers to that question this morning from the folks who are speaking, but it's not our salient question. It's not, I think, the salient question here at WES most of the time. Instead, our question is, what do you love to do? What are you passionate about? And how can we help that to flourish? So I've asked these three folks to speak instead to that question with a particular eye toward how I have seen their passion unfold here at West.
1: Thank you very much, Amanda, and thank you for the uh, meditation. It's loosened me up a little bit. <laughs> um, so I was asked to talk about social justice, having a passion for social justice. And now, when I think about, so, and uh, connecting it to Wes as well, how Wes fuels that passion. So when I think about social justice at Wes, what really comes to mind is the, actually the spiritual underpinnings behind my social justice commitment. Um, I was not raised in a religion. Uh, I did not go to Sunday services, was not raised on holy books. We didn't really even talk about faith at all. But I grew up with a lot of what some people would call mystical experiences. I frequently would feel this great sense of connection, of being a part of this interconnected web of the universe. Um, And it was just a very strong, profound sense of being one with everything. And with this sense of connection, I also frequently felt a really strong, while I was in this, feeling of love and beauty. And this became my fundamental spiritual principle that the world was a beautiful place and deserving of love. And people, as being part of the world, are beautiful and deserving of love. Uh, They have, we all have inherent worth and dignity. So these beliefs became a commitment to social justice and a real deep passion for social justice when I realized that society as a whole did not follow loving principles and that all of us were hurt because of this. Uh, I first started seeing this actually as a kid in elementary school um, where I remember being very eager to learn, very excited about the world. Uh, but I was, con- was constantly astonished by the fact that the adults who, oversue, who oversaw me um, never, thought, never seemed to think to ask what I was interested in, what I was passionate about, what I cared for, what I wanted to learn. Um, it was more just, this is what you're expected to do. Years later, I became an anti-war activist when I saw that hundreds of thousands of people were going to lose their lives in Iraq. They were going to have their worth and dignity utterly disregarded for reasons which I saw as very dubious. In the working world, I've seen a repeated tendency to treat people with either respect or abuse, depending on where they stand in the pecking order. And to me, everyone was deserving of dignity. This is a fundamental spiritual truth for me. Everyone is worthy of dignity. It, doesn't ma- it It's not something that you earn by your status or are denied because you fail to pull yourself up by some proverbial bootstraps that no one actually has. <clears throat> so there's a lot of things that I could talk about. Um, But in the end, ultimately, I saw a dissonance between what I knew in my heart was right, my passion, my commitment um, to love and dignity, and what I saw in the world. Now, what I really appreciate about WES is that it is a place where I feel safe to live according to my heart. We are all here to seek the highest even better, we can seek the highest while not forcing ourselves to follow one version of what that means. My passion is nurtured by the people and places where compassion, connection, love, respect, honesty, humility, listening, and generosity are valued. Real community is built by the things we do for each other that make life worth living. A commitment to social justice, for me, uh, is is a desire to nurture, protect, and expand such community. It also, to me, means resisting the parts of the world which destroy what is worth preserving. It means occupying Wall Street, desegregating lunch counters, protecting the natural environment. Putting our voices and bodies on the line for our right to vote. Putting our voices and bodies on the line for all of our rights and the rights of our neighbors. Now, there can be a cost to such passion. I have personally been arrested, assaulted, kicked out of class, and fired because my passion for social justice would not allow me to sit quietly while I saw people hurt each other. But despite the costs, every day I find myself feeling more free, powerful, and whole. And I suppose ultimately it is my sense of growing wholeness which most fuels my social justice passion. I get something out of it. I have something to live for which is consistent with human dignity and seeking the highest. The ironic thing is that the more whole I feel, the more meaningless my wholeness becomes. My life is sacred, but it is very short and very small. I have spent a lot of time meditating on my own personal growth and liberation. Now that doesn't really work for me. I have come to seek something more. Now it is collective liberation I care about. It is the healing of all who have been hurt. It is the transformation of society. This, to me, represents a deeper vision of social justice, which is constructed by all the loving people and all their safe spaces. It says a lot that West, to me, has been the safest religious community I have found. My hope, a deep hope is that we can still do more to engage with the world in a healing way and strengthen the life-affirming bonds which hold us together. Thank you very much.
2: Amanda asked me to talk about how I feed my passion and for thought and exploration of ideas at West. So I'm going to start by talking briefly about traditional religions. I've never been a fan of traditional religions. Traditional religions, especially traditional Western religions, usually start with a set of beliefs about a supernatural being, a god, and events that happened involving that god and people a long time ago. There's also a set of ideas about how people should behave. And these ideas are derived from the set of beliefs about God and what God wants. Members of traditional religions are usually taught taught these beliefs and expected to, well, believe them. There seems to be an implicit assumption that the members of a congregation all do believe the story and share the beliefs based on it. So that, for instance, a child might say, what do we believe, mommy? Wes isn't like that. And I love that about Wes. Yes, I suppose you could say that we all do share a belief that we should elicit the best in others and thereby elicit the best in ourselves. But really, I suspect most people believe that or some version of that and it isn't much of a constraint on free thinkers. West doesn't say, we must believe there is a God, or we must not believe there is a God. It doesn't tell us what to believe, beyond the simple and easy to believe dictum that we should elicit the best in others and thereby elicit the best in ourselves. Simple to believe, I should say, but not always so simple to achieve. Part of eliciting the best in others is to treat them with respect, to listen to what they have to say, to what they think with respect. And this attitude creates an atmosphere in which people can feel free to explore and think and explore what they think and express it. This is a wonderful thing. This creates an atmosphere in which people think not, what do we think? But what do I think? I love to think, to roll over in my mind what someone has said or written, to make sure I understand what was said, to evaluate it, and to decide if I agree with it. I often find myself asking, what does that mean when, the, when I think the meaning is not clear? I think I inherited this trait from my daughter, who is a master at this, One of the parts of the Sunday platform I like best is when the mic is passed around and people are given the chance to say whatever they want in response to that day's platform. There are often words of praise and gratitude for a wonderful platform and there have been many wonderful platforms and often people relate warm or funny stories that are relevant. Occasionally, someone will disagree with something the speaker said. I did this once a little over a year ago. Amanda had given a platform titled The Fundamentals of Division about, quote, fundamentalism in its many forms and the division that it creates. When it came time to pass the mic around, I raised my hand. I wasn't the first person called on. And by the time I got the mic, there had been ample words of praise and gratitude. When it was my turn, I stood up and said, I'm going to be a dissenting voice or something like that. I said what I had to say respectfully, I hope, and sat down and the mic was passed on to the next person. It's easy to express what you think if what you think is that the speaker gave a great platform and you agree with everything she said. (laughs) I must admit I was a little nervous when I stood up to disagree with something the speaker said. After the platform, Perry Bider, Wes's board president, came up to me. I don't remember his exact words, but the gist was this. He wanted to make sure I felt it was okay to stand up and voice dissent. He wanted me to know that this was a place where it was okay to do that. I told him I appreciated him telling me that, and I did, and I never forgot that. As I left the room, Amanda was standing at the door, and I told her that I hadn't had time during the platform to fully formulate and articulate my thoughts on the subject and that I wanted to write an essay on it. Writing is what I often do when I wanna sort my thoughts out on a subject and articulate them carefully. I asked her if she would like to read my essay when I finished it, and she said she most definitely would. Well, I wrote the essay and sent it to Amanda. I received no angry response, no emotional distancing in the face of my criticism no cold retort no instead amanda posted my essay in full on her blog yearning for goodness she wrote there quote a few weeks ago i gave a platform at west about fundamentalism it was fun to write and it was one of the generated a lot of conversation and feedback at around the same time west folks articulated at a program summit that they wanted a way to talk more about platforms that piqued their interest. So here's an attempt to foster that conversation, starting with a guest essay from West member Ellen Post. Ellen wrote a response to my platform, particularly around my use of Sam Harris and his book, The End of Faith. I commend her essay to you and I'd love to hear your own responses either in the comments section or in your own essays, end quote. Really, it's hard to beat that response for fostering an atmosphere in which people <laughs> feel free to really think about things and express those thoughts respectfully. At West, it's all about how we treat each other, not about all agreeing about everything. That's the kind of atmosphere that gives people the intellectual and emotional freedom to think for themselves, to question, sometimes to doubt, even at times to disagree. You know you're not going to be reviled or shunned or cast out if you express an opinion that is at odds with what others think, as long as you do it respectfully. And that's the way it should be. Well, That's my opinion anyway, but feel free to respectfully disagree. Thank you.
3: One morning last fall, I sat down at my computer at home to begin what I knew would be a long and difficult task. And as often is the case when I have long and difficult work to do, the first thing I did was check my Facebook account. (laughs) Truthfully, work usually begins with a browse through the Washington Post, Yahoo News. After a few ill-advised clicks, I find myself on E! and OMG, celebrity gossip sites, asking, who has a better beach body, Hugh Jackman or Jennifer Aniston? And though it's true Hugh Jackman looks great, My rational, reasonable side of my brain is asking, how did we get here? (laughs) After a few more clicks through sports and email, I invariably land on Facebook, where someone this particular morning has posted a wall photo of a cartoon. It shows a stick figure seated at a computer, staring blankly at the screen. Standing behind it is a second stick figure, pointing a gun directly at the back of the first stick figure's head. The title reads, The muse most of us really need. (laughs) I was that morning in search of a muse, and I found that cartoon fitting, not because I felt the need for that kind of extreme motivation, but because that was exactly how I felt at the time, under the gun. It was late September. The Washington Ethical Society Winter Festival was only two months away. A cast was coming together. Rehearsals, in fact, had already begun. And I still needed one very important thing. A script. (laughs) How did we get here? (laughs) I am an actor. That is a statement I often find very hard to say. I am an actor. I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's due to feelings of guilt or embarrassment on my part, or if I'm worried people might take it the wrong way, as if it's a boast. It isn't. It isn't something I boast about. But I am an actor. It's something I've done almost all my life. I've studied it, worked hard at it, took it seriously, eventually did well enough to earn my equity card, which is a membership into the Stage Actors Union, a kind of rite of passage for aspiring actors. Yet with all that, I still hate to say it out loud to people. I dread the peculiar Washington-area salutation of, so what is it you do? <laughs> I'm an actor, I say. Oh. <laughs> and that O can be so interesting. <laughs> it can be colored in so many different ways. There is the O as in, oh wow, that's so great. And then there's the O as in, Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I often find it falls somewhere in between, as in, oh, I guess that's sort of interesting, but since it has nothing to do with what I do, I have nothing more to talk to you about. (laughs) There was a time in graduate school when an instructor actually asked everyone in class to stand up individually and say, I am an actor, to own it, to be proud of it, To steal us, I suppose, from the wall of rejection and self-doubt that we would all inevitably slam into on our way out into the real world. A world which is bound to think us all a little eccentric to want to pursue this life. It's true though when all is said and done. It helps to be a little crazy. While most of my MFA classmates moved on to LA or New York after graduation, where I occasionally see them pop up on a TV show or a commercial here or there, I chose to move to DC for many reasons. One, most of my family was in the area and with a six-month-old in tow, I thought moving to a city that with built-in free babysitting was a pretty good idea. And two, for many years DC has built a reputation for being a great theater town. More professional theater companies than any other city outside of New York and for classics, DC is the best. I also like the idea of settling into a place where the art a theater created really came from and fed the community it was in. I believe in the power of plays to draw a community together, to hold a group of people in one place for one period of time, and give them an experience that can truly move them. There's a bond that occurs between audience, performer, writer, and director, and everyone else involved with bringing a piece of theater to life. When the lights come up at the end of a performance, everyone in that space is changed. Everyone in that space is drawn a little closer together for having witnessed this singular event. No other group of people will ever experience that performance again, because that performance is gone forever. It can never be repeated, not exactly. I love that about theater. One of my favorite places to be in the world is inside an empty theater. There's a quiet energy in those places, a potential. For me, it is like holy ground. I have the same feeling when I walk into this space, when it is empty. Walking across this hall when the chairs are put away, the stage is left bare, particularly at night when the windows are darkened, there's a sense that the soul of a community lives here. Platforms are a lot like theater performances in the best of ways. It is a gathering of people. There's the viewer and the viewed. And most importantly, there are times when the room is held breathless in one moment as something drops in. A thought, an emotion, a revelation, and we are all changed by it. Several years ago, when Mary Herman first asked if I would be interested in helping with Winter Festival, I was both pleased and worried. Pleased because as a new member, it would be a great opportunity to give back. Worried because, again, being new, I had no idea what Winter Festival was. (laughs) What it looked like, what it involved. Was it a show? Was it a concert? Or just a big party? Or all three, as it turned out to be? I was also worried because, though new to West, I could sense from speaking with people that Winter Festival was a big deal, an important time in the life of the community, a marker of the season and of the year when members could come together and reflect, and reaffirm values they held close. Basically, I didn't want to screw that up. So I thought I would keep my involvement limited at the beginning, just be the new guy learning how all this worked. That thought was (laughs) short-lived. This is what I love about Winter Festival. The people. That first year working on Winter Festival was a revelation. I had always figured a humanist, religious organization was bound to have some creative people in it. But I was blown away by the amount of talent here at West. Talent and commitment. Anyone who has worked with me on Winter Festival will tell you I am very expressive of my gratitude. Because I do ask a lot. And I am constantly bowled over by the amazing ways people in this community deliver. It is sometimes overlooked, but Marty Kaufman was my co-director with me that first year, which went a long way to ease the anxiety I felt over not actually having seen a Winter Festival before having to direct one. (laughs) He was my guide around all nuances of candle lightings, peace circles, and banners, all the while directing key parts of the show himself and acting in it as well. A consummate showman, I was lucky to have him as a partner for that year. I was also lucky that first year to have Laura Bradshaw helping me with costumes, not only pulling and coordinating what clothing people could bring from home, but also designing and sewing original costumes herself. Bailey Whitman, Mary Herman, and I spent weeks exchanging emails, trying to find just the right music for this past year's Winter Festival. I cannot tell you the number of hours John Lika has put in gathering sound effects, developing an ingenious system of cables and dimmers to serve as Wes's own light board. And this past year, I would have been absolutely lost without David Lindsay, Johnny, and Susan Buzak, who built sets, props, pulled costumes together, and of course, made darkness walk across the stage. And all of my wonderful actors, both big and small, willing to spend hours with me in this empty hall, memorizing lines that I could certainly change in a few days, and working their way through plot devices, maybe too cleverly designed to include love, joy, peace, hope, And giving, not to mention a very large clock. There are many many others that I cannot name without seriously risking going over the time that I have this morning, but all this is to say that what feeds my passion is seeing what so many others are willing to do to make this one special night happen. Here's another thing I love about Winter Festival. It's a celebration that's recreated every year by members of this community, four members of this community. That connection between audience and performer is already there. When the night arrives and we are about to perform, I've said to my cast and crew, welcome to your opening and closing night. (laughs) It's going to be a blast. You have a built-in supportive audience that will be with you all the way, so enjoy it. I say that even though my heart is in my throat as I watch the hall fill up, wondering if this thing will ever go off. But of course it does. It happens. A line is said. There is a pause. Something clicks and falls into place. The audience laughs. I breathe. I never dreamed when moving to DC to pursue a life in the arts of the perfect expression of what I was hoping to find, a theater that draws from and feeds the community it's in, would be here at the Washington Ethical Society. When Amanda invited me to be a part of this platform today, I responded by saying it was an interesting time for me to be considering the topic. Interesting because after almost 20 years, I was considering pursuing a career in something other than acting. An opportunity came up to join an organization whose work I equally feel passionate about, the Center for Community Change, Although I know the move doesn't mean I will never act again, I cannot help but feel that a significant chapter of my life is ending. But I am grateful to have a community like Wes, where I can stand up and say, I am an actor, and a writer, and a director. And I can imagine all sorts of ways I can satisfy my creative itch, writing more or teaching a class, When I was considering this career change, for some reason, I thought it was important for me to find out how our daughter would feel about Dad no longer acting. Two things, she said. One, I would miss going to see you in plays. And two, I would miss doing Winter Festival with you. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) When I assured her that I would always be able to do Winter Festival. When I assured her that I would always be able to do Winter Festival, she seemed fine with that. I guess we'll both be okay.
0: Thank you all so much for what you shared this morning and for bringing that to this community and to this moment. I wanted to close by sharing a reflection that came from really the three people that you just heard speak as we gathered yesterday to go over their addresses and talk about the threads that we saw running through them. Asking about their passions, I knew we would hear what they loved, what they had created, what they hoped still to create. But what we noticed yesterday as these three shared their thoughts was that each one of them also pointed to a tone, an atmosphere, a something about this community that had allowed their passions to blossom here. At least two of them actually used the word safety, that this was a safe and welcoming place for passion to take hold. And so I want to close this morning by thanking all of you because it is you that makes this possible, that brings this something to WES. You are the marchers and the ralliers. You are the community sharers and the thinkers. You are the supportive audience that loves every winter festival. In some ways, I think it is your compassion that allows passion to have a foothold, that creates the kind of place where each of these WES members and so many more have felt free to grow, to create, and to think. Thank you.